In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. It's a big episode. We've got some new faces with the Browns. A big contract's been signed, and I'm here with Jack Duffin and Ian Wright. Jack, should we call you Mystic Meg of contracts? Because you were close. Hey, I'll I'll take that. I was really, really happy. Any time you can beat the legend that is PFF Brad on a prediction, you're uh, you you're doing well. So uh, Denzel Ward. Yeah, just in case no one's heard. Denzel Ward, five-year contract, a hundred million and a half. Jack, what did you come in as your guess? So I predicted two million more over the whole entire five years. So we're talking four hundred k extra a year. And then in terms of guarantees, this is the part I was amazed how close I was. He's signed at seventy-one point two five million guaranteed. I predicted seventy-one point seven. Um, zero six, so insane how close that is on guarantees because guarantees are probably the harder part to predict because the overall number is pretty much set. But really, really good if you want that year by year structure, go check out the tweet I've got, and that's uh, just a projection at the moment. And um, this is old numbers that I threw out about three months ago, probably. Um, so yeah, they're gonna save some cap space in 2022, it'll be back loaded. Haven't seen the terms yet, but. They don't front load anything. So basically, Jack, Andrew Berry beat you on two million. A- Andrew Berry managed to get an extra two million out of Denzel Ward's agent. So uh, I think Denzel Ward's agent, hey, if I was Denzel Ward's agent, I'd be asking for more than 102.5. I'd have been asking for 105. Um, but hey, we've saved a little bit of money. Ian, tell us, how are you feeling about the Denzel Ward extension? I, I think... It's what Browns fans needed to feel good about the team. Obviously, Denzel Ward, former first-round pick, the one that we butchered off of the Texans, ironically enough, in the Deshaun Watson trade. But coming full circle, Ohio State, the Browns, people always complain, oh, we don't sign enough Buckeyes. We don't sign enough Buckeyes, blah, 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 blah. Well, now we got one of the best Buckeyes, and he's going to be here for a while. And I think he's overall just a really likable guy. So you don't worry about him off the field. You obviously, you know, his biggest concern is whether he's on the field, but this season he went out there and proved that he can stay healthy. He's one of the top corners in the league. And, you know, Jack, we say this often, but in a couple of years, this contract will be outpaced by somebody else who signs a new deal to the market. So it's good. You get him in, you get him locked down. You solidify another piece in that Browns defense because this point, the offense is still coming together in some forms. But the defense still has a little bit of way to go, and Denzel Ward is a big piece of that. And it's happy to uh, have an Ohio guy, a Buckeye, and now a second contract for the uh, for, for the Cleveland Browns. Just just a correction there. You said in a year or a couple of years, it's going to be a couple of months. So Jair Alexander is going to easily beat this deal. Um, we're not talking by a crazy amount, but he he will certainly beat this deal at um, one hundred point five million. APY or. Uh, 
total guarantees. But both, I'd expect him to beat both. So I, I he'll probably hit the 102 million maybe overall, and then in terms of guarantees, it'll probably just roll up to like 70. 2 million in guarantees. So uh, we saw it with Joey Bosa, signed 14 years exactly after Miles Garrett, got an extra 2 million a year. I don't think we'll see that sort of jump, but we will see this deal beaten. So he's got about two months where he can enjoy being the highest paid cornerback and uh, then it'll end. And th that's the value. It's, it's always been this race between Jair and uh, Denzel. Whoever jumps first and signs that deal, the other player will get slightly more money, but these things happen. It's enough money. The question, the question is, have we calculated in the state tax differences between Ohio and Wisconsin? And have we factored in the agent fees that Denzel may end up making more money? Just things to think about. Yeah, these things happen. It doesn't impact on the negotiation side as much, but it will impact on the, uh, the uh, how much they actually get in their bank account. Yeah. Hey, listen, at the end of the day, it's a good deal for the Browns. It's a great deal for Denzel Ward. You knew you were going to have to pay him. He's one of the top cornerbacks in the league. You got it done. At the end of the day, that's what's most important. As we know, he was the second player the Browns drafted that year. The first player drafted that year, still under contract. No news is uh, interesting on that front. So that's Denzel Ward wrapped up. Paul, I mean, are you happy that Denzel's staying? Are you going to go out and buy a Denzel Ward jersey? I'm not, actually. I'm not really a cornerback guy, to be honest. But... I want to put a bit of a twist on this conversation. Do you think this paying Ward this much will mean that there's no way Greedy's going to get an extension? Do you think Newsom will be looking for something very similar? Um, yeah, how will it affect the cornerback room? Yeah, so Gr Greedy's tipped up to be either in his final year um, or his potential trade ship. If they go and draft a guy in day two... Um, they could easily look to move him on and go, actually, we've got AJ Green that we like. Let's bring in the rookie. The rookie does really well. And then near the end of camp, they might go, actually, our defensive tackle room pretty much sucks. So a player like Tim Settle, perfect example of he was DT3 um, with the uh, Washington Commanders last year. They could then go, actually... You've got Tim Settle, who's your DT3. We've got Greedy Williams, who's our cornerback three, um, sort of outside because you've got Troy Hill in the middle. So maybe cornerback four. Right. This guy starts for you. You need Greedy. Tim Settle starts for us. Let's switch that. They're both last year rookie deals. Obviously, Tim Settle's not now, but that's sort of an example of a player. They could go... This makes sense for both sides because there's no chance we sign him long-term. There's no chance you sign him long-term because you've got all this money tied up. Let's switch it. So um, Greg Newsom, though, he, he, our listeners are probably bored of hearing about sequencing and Andrew Berry, but this is the perfect example. Denzel Ward has now got six more years under contract. So what's going to happen with Greg Newsom? Is Greg Newsom plays two more years. He's up for an extension. He gets paid. And then they might look to move Denzel Ward on or they might cut him because effectively the deal Denzel Ward signed is three more new years. So that's four years um, overall. And then the two years on the back end are team options. And who knows? We might get there and suddenly they're looking at it going, right, is he worth 25 million? Maybe not. Um, he's got some injuries or something like that. And then they could look to move him on. So that's just one to keep an eye on that 
they might not want to pay him all that money on the back end if something goes wrong. <clears throat> Ian, any more thoughts on that at all, mate, before we move on? I, I think if we get to that point, it's a great problem to have. If we're debating over one cornerback and another cornerback that are both CB1s, then I, I will gladly have this conversation at the end of, you know, Greg, or Greg, Greg Newsom's rookie deal. So to the point, we've talked about the sequencing of deals at this point, Denzel Ward's contract and Greg Newsom's contract are going to run parallel while Newsom's on a rookie deal. That's the entire point of what Andrew Barry is doing. I mean, we always say, we talked this about the Steelers. We talk about the Ravens. We talk about all these teams that draft guys over periods of time you develop them, right? So while Denzel Ward was becoming a number one corner, there really wasn't one. Well, now, while Greg Newsom is becoming a top cornerback, he has somebody like Denzel Ward working alongside of him. That's what you're hoping for. That's still why I felt that Miles Garrett was going to be the perfect precursor for a defensive end if we still had our first-round pick. But that's the point. You're developing guys underneath proven commodities, and now the Browns have paid Denzel Ward like the proven commodity that he is. What do you think, Paul? <clears throat> so does that mean we've got Troy Hill back next year? No. So Troy Hill and Greedy Williams are both in their final year. We've now got Denzel Ward, AJ Green, and Greg Newsom. There are three that are signed up. Sorry. Sorry, Jack. So that means Hill is still meant to come back for one more year. So Hill and Greedy have both got one more year. Yeah. So they're going to play out this season or get cut of camp or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Oh. The, uh, neither is going to get cut. They're too good for that. So yeah. um, as far as I'm aware, Hill's contract's guaranteed. So you can write his name in pen. Greedy is potentially a trade chip if they draft someone. Um, because as I said, if they can get a starter somewhere else at say defensive tackle, it's it's a no brainer. If you really like AJ Green, you draft someone, say Martin Emerson or something in the third round and you feel really good there. That just, it sets up nicely. The only other one name we've got there is a guy called Herb Miller. Yeah, there's Herb Miller and there's somebody else as a corner. I think that they're not making the roster, not making the 53. Um, yeah, we, we've got five names there that we can be playing with. Basically, we know that they like uh, AJ Green and uh, undrafted free agent paid the most for. So uh, he's been with the team now two years, right? Yeah, so he's been with the team a while, but he, he was the first year he didn't have enough active games that he counted towards an accrued season. So we've got him two more dirt cheap years, and then the year after that, he'll get like probably a second round restricted free agent tender, similar to JC Jackson, played on last year with the uh, Patriots. Um, but in terms of PFF grades, he was PFF's number one graded cornerback last year. He was only on something like 160 snaps, but phenomenal play. Um, and that's one where super excited and great to have a player like that on your roster. Um, we can really reap that benefit. And it's not one where we're saying, hey, greedy's trash, we want to get rid of him. We're saying, hey, can we upgrade somewhere else? And lots of people have got shirty with me. Well, not lots of people, about three. Um, oh, you spoke about trading Denzel. Ward. Three. Lots of people. Three. Yeah. It's like you spoke in the offseason about trading Denzel Ward. Believe it or not, the Cleveland Browns front office would have discussed the opportunities with every player. Um, they do it with everyone, and that's purely where they are. And they did have some concerns over Denzel Ward. We've heard it time and time again from Andrew Berry, stated in black and white, 
identify talent early and pay it early. So as soon as you finish year three, if they love a guy and they know that he's going to be a piece for a few years, they're going to get that deal done. We saw it with Miles. We saw it with Chubb. We didn't see it with Ward. We didn't see it with Njoku. They obviously weren't sure after year three that Baker. this is going to be a piece going on. And Baker, perfect example. Did it mean we don't want these on the roster going forward? No, it may, might mean, hey, we want to see more from Baker Mayfield. Is he the guy? We want to see an improvement in pass blocking and stuff from Njoku. We want to see a healthy season potentially from Denzel Ward. And they're going to have these discussions. They're going to talk about trading everyone because this is a t front office that chat about how to acquire 2027 seventh round comp picks, as Quezzy put it. They're going to have all these discussions. Um, it was a win-win whether they kept Ward or not. And both sides had upside. And that was purely a discussion I had. I never said, you have to get rid of him. He's going to be a disaster. Moving swiftly on, keeping an eye on the time. Real quick, Jack, last thing. By extending Ward, what was his 2022 cap hit? Uh, obviously, we, we know the Browns are going to restructure it down. But he was on the books for, what, $18 million? What was his number? So he was due um, 13.3 million, um, roughly rounded, but 13.3. I reckon my projection has got him at four and a half million um, this year if they backload and go very much with a Miles Garrett style of extension. But that could be a bit higher. It could be about eight. So I'm expecting them to gain somewhere in the region of uh, five to nine million of cap space um, by doing this extension. And that's just this year. Obviously, it's all backloaded. There's the bow we needed, Paul. What were you going to say? <clears throat> the Browns have signed some more people. Jack, I think they've signed Sheldon Day. Is that right? Ex-four-round. I'm, I'm killing it with defensive tackles. I am the uh, the brain set of Andrew Berry when it comes to defensive tackles. Um, there's two guys at the offseason that I had top of my board. It was Bryant, and then it's Day. Not because I want Sheldon Day to start, but he was just a great piece. Um, and it just made so much sense to bring him back and just just chuffed to have him on the roster. He's probably going to be like 1 million. It might be guaranteed. It might not be. We don't know yet, but it's a no-brainer signing. Um, the guy did good last year. Yeah. Fourth-round pick. Played 67 career games since 2016. So I think he was PFF's best-graded defensive tackle for the Browns last year. Um, I think he might be the only defensive tackle they had that had a positive grade. Um, but no, it, it's one that they're not going to overinvest. People are like, hey, I want Hicks and Campbell as our front two. They're not going to go that route. There is value in encouraging the other team to run the ball because, as people know, listen to podcasts, it's all about passing. And Josh Hermsmeyer did a great article, I think it was last offseason, talking about teams that invest less in defensive tackle see the other team pass less because they're incentivized to run the ball. And if I'm going to predict why the Browns front office is doing this, they obviously just don't see it. And yeah, if, if you end up drafting a guy that in sort of the third round that turns into the second coming of Aaron Donald, you're going to pay that guy but you're not going to go chasing that at the top. Um, and the same way, they probably felt the same way about linebacker. They were never going to draft JOK. They were going after Ron, Rondell Moore, I believe it was. It was one of the two Moores. 
And then, hey, he fell into their lap and they went, why not? Let's go for it. And who knows if they say Jordan Davis is the guy they love. I don't think they do. But if he fell all the way to 44, they might go, go on, then we'll do it. Um, but they're not going chasing the guy. So if you're thinking, hey, this guy's on a big board around 40, the Browns will take him as defensive tackle at 44. Probably unlikely. So guys, we've now got four defensive tackles on the roster before we're going into day one. Can you name them all? So it's Taven Bryant, Sheldon Day, Jordan Elliott, and Tommy Togiai. Ian, how would you rate them four as, you know, who would you say your favourites are starting as defensive tackle there? I would say your two starters right now are likely Taven Bryan and Jordan Elliott. And then I would say Sheldon Day and Togiai are the next men up. But I don't think Jordan Elliott should feel very good about his roster spot or his starting spot and roster spot. <laughs> Jack, what's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm exactly there. I, I think Jordan Elliott was on the bubble, I believe, last camp. Um, and yeah, he, he'll uh, probably be on the bubble again this year. Um, he, he needs to prove it. Um, I still think I can see them adding someone. Um, I've said Sheldon Richardson, as long as that relationship is healthy enough, it just makes a no sense, just a common sense addition. Ian's got some breaking news. Nope, he is at a fast food chain ordering some food. I'm actually really interested, Ian, to know where you are ordering food right this second. You know, the day never sleeps, Mr. Paul, so we have to record within specific windows. And now that I am the father, I have to do daycare duties and pickup duties and all that stuff. So there's only time for one thing and that's Taco Bell. Good. And can you just tell the audience what you ordered from Taco Bell? Crunchy tacos, meat and cheese only. Duh, their lettuce is not for me. I heard that the Mexican pizza is going back on the menu and a lot of people in America are really excited about this. Okay, Ian's picking up his food. He's getting very confused. So just to go through how our defensive tackles played last year, and the re another reason why it'd be a no-brainer to add Sheldon Richardson is, hey, we had two Maliks last year. We can have two Sheldons this year with Day and Richardson. But let's just go through all the defensive tackles for the Browns. We have Malik Jackson, who finished with a 44.4, and anything below a 60 is bad, according to PFF. Sheldon Day came in with a 64.7. So really good. Played 233 snaps. Andrew Billings, 47.5. Malik McDowell, 46.5. Jordan Elliott, 41.6. Thomas Togiai, 39.8. And then there's one other guy that, hey, I didn't even know he played, but he played seven snaps. And that is Josiah Bronson, the 68.5. But I don't think he's someone that's that. Uh, gonna play he may who knows he might make a practice squad and come back but highly unlikely so it was bad but hey Thomas Togio isn't the first rookie to struggle in his first year and then he could easily come on um but yeah Elliot and Togio they're no locks to make rosters just because a guy was a fifth round pick last year doesn't mean they're going to be a lock for the roster this year they'll bring in UDFAs they'll bring in other guys I, I think it'll be an open circus Taven Bryant is a lock We'll see when Day's contract's announced because, hey, if they've guaranteed half a million of the one million deal, you can write that name in pen. But there's no reason Thomas Togiai and Jordan Elliott are guaranteed to make the roster. I feel better about Togiai, though. Jack, I think one thing that when we talk about Togiai specifically that we have to kind of remember, 
we talk about age guardrails, right? And we talk about drafting guys that are younger. Jordan Elliott, you know, obviously was one that was outside, quote unquote, of that guardrail. But Togi, I was like 21, right, when we drafted him. So yeah. when you bring a 21-year-old into the league, I think the one thing that may be a counter to that is you're probably going to see in these strength positions, your linemen, your D linemen, and stuff like that, you may see guys that take an extra year to develop because you're talking about a 21-year-old versus a 22, 23-year-old. For example, if I draft a rookie who's 23 and I draft a rookie that's 21, I think it's very, I don't want to say unfair, but I think it's more likely that a 23-year-old will be able to step in right away and give you, and I'm not talking about first-round picks and stuff, you know, like Garrett Wilson or one of these guys who is just going to step in and play right away. But we're just talking about a fourth-round fourth defensive tackle who's 21. I don't think there was any expectation that he was going to come in and be meaningful on year one. Let the guy develop a little bit, right? Yeah, and we, we're not going to expect that. Look, if, if you want to compete for Super Bowls and a rookie starting, those two things don't work. You can have a rookie develop across the year, but if you're drafting a rookie to start and play meaningful snaps, that's not good. You might argue a first-round pick could be an exception, but a second-rounder? No, 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 no. Fill them needs in free agency, draft the guys, and then you look for these guys to replace them in a year's time. Guys, once again, keep around the time, we have signed a new defensive end, Stephen Weatherly. No, that's right, Ian, just relax. You know, eat your Taco Bell, no less, and just chill for a second. This, he is known as the most interesting player in the NFL. He plays nine instruments. He studies psychology. He's done literacy programs and he calls himself weird. Miles Garrett is going to love him. Will he be playing Dungeons and Dragons with, is it Stanton? Johnny Stanton. Johnny Stanton. Was it someone else as well? A special team? My, Miles Garrett. Charlie Hecker, Hewlett. Um, Hewlett. Charlie, Charlie Hewlett, yeah. But I think Bunch Johnny Stanton's not on the roster anymore, right? Yeah, he's still he's still there. He might not make yeah. it fifty three. If they Jan- you're thinking of Janovich. Janovich is the one that's gone. Yeah. Well, just just to give you a bit more inf- information on him. He's a seventh round pick in uh, two thousand sixteen from the Vikings. Now I wonder if um, Kevin had an insight on him. I know this guy's defensive and Kevin was offense, but you never know. Oh, he he would certainly know it. And any player that is the offensive coordinator will know the defensive guys. Yeah, is he going to have a really close relationship with him? Probably not, but he's going to be well aware of him. And to be fair, this guy, when I saw the tweet, I had no real idea. So first thing I do is just hate I think Joe Woods was in Minnesota, though, at the time, too. So Joe Woods would obviously know him. Joe Woods was with with Stefanski in Minnesota. I'd have to go back the years because he obviously left Minnesota to go to San Francisco. And he was with Denver for a hot second there. So you'd have to do the math on the years. But listen, to your point, Jack, they know who the guy is. Andrew Barry knows who the guy is. Just looking at PFF grades, it's not good, guys. It's not, there's not pass rush. There's not really run defense. There's one year that was solid. Uh, solid. We're not talking good. We're not talking great. Just solid. And that's 2018 in Minnesota, which was by far his best year. Played the most snaps. Um, but he was very much more run. I honestly will need to see with the deal. 
I don't think this guy's making the 53. I think they couldn't go into run an effective training camp with three edges on the roster. Um, and I felt they had to sign somebody just to have a functionable camp because you need two lines. And um, this is the guy as just a camp body. But Jack, somebody did say in the, uh, before the show was he did get paid 12 million for, for two years. Yeah, so he never actually took all that money home. But yeah, he was um, given a contract uh, in 2020, which was a two-year, 12.5 million deal. Um, and he earned one year of it. So the Panthers had him for one year, paid him the 6.55 and then cut him. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think it's one where... We, we really see that um, long-term. But yeah, he obviously showed some promise. So now the defensive end's looking like Miles Garrett, uh, as we know, Chase, Winovich, Stephen Weatherly, and Curtis Weaver. So there's four names there in the edge room. Yeah, I, I think for me, Winovich is that sort of, on a good day, you might be happy with him as a three, but at the same time, I look at a three and go, right, you need to play 50% of the snaps, probably plus. And if number two or one goes down, you're starting. Do I feel good about that? No. So I think he's a four. Um, if you were uber strong on the defensive line, he's a five, and that would be a tasty, tasty defensive line. So I, there is more signings coming. I, I think this is just a camp body. They're still going to bring in a veteran, whether it's my boy Jerry Hughes, whether it's someone like Melvin Ingram, or ideally, they're obvious their number one target is Clowney. Um, you've still got guys like Trey Flowers, which would be a no-brainer to bring in. Um, I, I, I struggle to see a route where they don't sign one of these guys pre-NFL draft. It's got to be Clowney, right? I mean, if you look at what Weatherly is, he's kind of a poor man's version of Clowney, right? Stronger against the run. He's kind of your backup edge on that side. So I think that to me, they're looking for a guy that kind of fits the same bill that plays that same side. That's, that's just the pieces I'm putting together, but you know, who knows, maybe one of these edges in the draft drops. I mean, that's, that's my dream scenario. Well guys, we're back into the last 10 minutes of the podcast. There's a few more names that we'd like to discuss. Marcus, Bradley is back. He, he just never seems to die. He's just like constantly coming back year after year for camp. Uh, he's, he's appeared in eight games since joining the Browns as an undrafted free agent in 2020. Yeah, so it was him and Michael Dunn. Um, we knew these guys got tendered for their exclusive rights deal. Um, I want to say it was just before free agency started. Um, so they could either sign for the Browns or retire. So it's no real surprise these names. We spoke about them a while ago. Um, but the team holds complete ownership of them. Um, there's no guaranteed money. Bradley, I, I, I think, has got a, a decent shot at making a practice squad. Won't make the 53 um, unless something crazy happens. And Dunn has got a really interesting case. Um, there's a three-way, I would say a three-way battle to make that ninth offensive line spot. And that's Dunn, that's Hans, and that's Forbes. Um, I can't really take any of the other guys that seriously for it, but they could easily draft a guy. And then 
yeah, could they be a battle for O-line 10 or do they go a different route? Who knows? But um, yeah, Th- these guys are just bodies effectively. They need to sign it to turn up to camp because lots of guys don't need these workouts. Miles Garrett does not need this workout. Whereas a guy like Bradley, a guy like Dunn, it's essential for them, the hopes of making a practice squad or potentially the roster. Dunn joined the Browns in 2020 and has played in 20 games since that time, including two starts. I, I, he, he was really solid at guard. Um, so no, I, I really like him. And it was one that we discussed here. Hey, if you end up moving Betonio out to left tackle, then he's an obvious person to come in and play that left guard spot. So it was certainly one that is an option and who knows where the season goes. Um, if they don't rate Pochich at guard and Hubbard's potentially filling in a tackle because Conklin goes down, if they then push um, Petonio out. Hey, he'd be the guy that you call up for guard and go, Hey, we need to start a left guard. And I'd, I'd feel good about him. I, yeah. I'm not going to bang the drum and say he's going to step in and play as good as Petonio and Teller. Be serviceable. He also has the flexibility in a pinch. If you know it were to happen, you need a guard center. He's a versatile interior guy, veteran. And as you said, Jack, there's really a no lose situation. You bring him back, he's probably friends with the guys already in the room. So it is a no brainer signing. And I think we had pretty much already had him and Bradley put in pen in terms of the 90 man. So I think the Browns more just dotted the eyes across the T's on this one. Yeah, and Dunn and Hans, uh, Dunn and Hans, I doubt either of them will make the Browns practice squad. Um, they would love to have one of them on the practice squad if they can't have them. One of those, either of those two dudes are going to be on a 53. Um, they're good enough. Um, and, and that's the way the NFL is going to be. Lots of, in the past, the Browns were looking at other teams for dudes to nick that they were going to try put on their practice squad the other way around now teams are going to raid the Browns when you wave guys we didn't see a lot of it last year due to the COVID rules we will see plenty of it especially with offensive linemen hey this dude's had a year under Callahan yeah I want to sign that guy do you think did they change the practice squad rules in terms of eligibility um there's slightly less guys on there you can't and die have been you can't well, you used to not guys. have been able to play if they play. I think, that, but remember, you used to not be practice squad eligible if you played in X number of quarters or games or something. So that's why I wonder if Dunn Enhanced may exceed the eligibility requirements. I still but think we can get into that the, another day. We're really nuancing on that. I still think you've got the two or four guys that could be longer term guys because like Darren Fells was able to go on the practice squad. I think you're allowed four older guys and then. The rest have to be like they can't have played in more than two seasons. Gotcha. But any last words, guys? I don't have any. Just, just, just I want to say it's really exciting to um, the Browns will be starting to go back tomorrow. We're going to have uh, Deshaun Watson going in, um, Amari going in. Anyone else big names going in tomorrow? I'd, I'd expect more or less everyone there um, because why not? Um, there's no real risk. There's no one really in a pinch to hold out. Uh, Dearness Johnson would be the only one that it doesn't really make sense for him to be there because, hey, he's got no guaranteed money on the table. And 
why would you turn up? He, he's not there to make a roster spot. Um, he's the only one really where I'd say if I'm him, I don't turn up. Really, Jack? Yeah, at the end of the day, he's got zero guarantees on the table. He's the same spot as like Hodge last year. The last thing he wants to go and do is risk anything. Um, his best route is to try and get traded. Um, at the moment, he's just set to hang around the roster. And then if either Chubb or Hunt gets injured in preseason, then he's kept. If not, he probably gets cut at the end of camp. And um, that sucks because he's a great player. But you're not paying your running back three, 2.433 3 million. Um, that's just life. Is it is it 55 man roster this year or 53? 53. Um, ben Albright, just ask him what he thinks about uh, Stephen Weatherly. He says, yes, super interesting dude. Lots of cool hobbies, super smart. Thanks for that, Ben Albright. Good guy. We have to get him on the show to talk about him. Get some stories. What can we ask him? Uh, um, is Joe Showbert going to join Denver Broncos? Because he's in Denver at the moment. That could be really interesting. We bought a house out there. Oh, such a such a spoil sport, aren't you? In why have they bought That's a house out there? That's the question you need to ask. Yeah, because. Because it's a beautiful piece of land. Shout out to Megan. Uh, there is a great property out there that they've been building on for quite a bit of time. So I'll tell you right now, I'd live there in a heartbeat if you see the views. Wow. But yeah, I'm just super excited to see the Browns tomorrow. That's it, really. I think that's it. Sorry, Jack, I cut you up. No, uh, that's it. I've got nothing left to add. I, I still think they're going to be active and chasing guys. I don't think this is the end of it. Um, as we approach the draft, Andrew Berry is going to keep working these offers. Um, so keep an eye on wide receiver, defensive tackle, edge. All three are still in play. And um, maybe something else. I've always said a guy like Darren Fells potentially makes sense just to fill out that room. We don't have to guarantee him any money. But the the two depth tight ends, it's not good. It's Gummigans and Force and all or something. Nah. Uh, guys... Do you think the Browns will take a wide receiver, defensive tackle, or an edge first at the moment? Jack, what are you thinking? I'd just write off defensive tackle, but the other two are in play. Um, and I would say it's George Pickens or Drake Jackson. Ian, what are you thinking at the moment? I think it'll be an edge or the wide receiver. I think the Browns are in the position to scoop up whoever the JOK is of 2022. So when the guy they want slides, whether it's an Ojabo or Karloftis or one of these guys, who knows? I think that's the way that route they're going to go. Jack. Because they can get him in the third round when he actually gets drafted. Jack, are the Browns going to trade up? They might trade up like six spots. We're not talking about a jump up to the first round. Will the Baker Mayfield be traded before the draft? No, not for me. Ian? No. I think they're going to hold out at this point. If they was they were going to do it, they'd have already done it. All right, guys. Well, look, I hope all our listeners in Cleveland are enjoying, this, enjoying the snow today. Ian, I hope you're enjoying the Otako Bell, Bell. And, and snow here in Chicago. And for all the listeners out there, I just want to highlight Jack is wearing a lovely 
navy blue Hawaiian shirt just for you uh, listeners out there can actually start visualising uh, Jack Andy Reid would be proud go Browns go Browns go Browns <laughs>